Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Let's open up our Bibles, if you brought them, to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 21 and verse number one. Matthew 21 and verse number one. Uh, I've had a busy week. (laughs) Anybody ever had a busy week? Uh, This year has felt like a busy year, uh, but this past week really took the cake for various reasons. Uh, And so I told my wife, I said, like, my chief job description is like to feed the sheep, but I'm like, out of all the things that I've done this week, uh, it, it just seems as if I have had less time than ever before to kind of give myself to the message. And so yesterday, I just really um, took the time to just pray and get before God, and the Lord really led me back to this. And he said, you know, there's been something that's been on your heart all week, and I want you to just kind of major on that. Now, it's funny. I took that and wrote out a six-point message, and so like they have all six points preloaded in the screens, uh, but I don't know if I'll get to any of them uh, because uh, this morning in my own devotional, as well as preaching it at the 8.30 service at Highland Colony, I really feel uh, a really strong word of the Lord um, for each person who's here. And I just want you to embrace this and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Now, genuinely my prayer, and this is genuinely my prayer, before every time I preach is, Father, while they hear me talk, let them hear you speak. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit speaks not just something to your heart today, but I pray that the Holy speaks someone uh, to your heart today and to just let the Holy Spirit do what only he can uniquely do. Uh, So let's look at this. This is the phrase that's been on my heart all week. Uh, I'll pause when we get to it. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number one. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples, And were coming to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two of his disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, Uh, and there in the straight way you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught anything to you, you will say, The Lord hath need of them. Uh, Now, if you can, put that in parentheses uh, and that type of thing, because this is the the phrase that I have not been able to shake. The Lord has need of them. It keeps going and says, and straightway he will send them. And all this was done, that it was fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Um, And uh, it goes on here saying, tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, the king comes unto you. He will be meek sitting upon a donkey and a colt of the foil of the donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, put on, their, put on the animals, their clothes, and they sent him thereon. And there was a very great multitude that spread their garments. Now, we'll come back to that too. In the way, and others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way, meaning they made the way clean. Others prepared a path for the donkey. 
And the multitudes that went before him and followed after him cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna unto the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, the whole city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. This is called Jesus's triumphant entry. This is the last week of Jesus's life. He is on his way to the cross. And before he gets there, he goes through Jerusalem and there is a celebration of Jesus. They are celebrating the entrance of Jesus. And for his entrance, he is chosen to ride a donkey uh, into the entrance of Jesus while they are celebrating. Now, I I really feel like over the next uh, few months for us as a church, we are going to be celebrating the entrance of Jesus into the lives of a lot of people. And already with 161, how many of you know there is much cause for celebration? Like this is something we can all celebrate over. Uh, But I feel like, and I honestly do, that for many of you, this celebration will not be just generic with names and faces you don't know. Uh, that for many of you, uh, this celebration where Jesus entered the life of someone will be a true celebration because it's people that you do know, uh, that you are seeing Jesus come in and save. And when I say save, I'm not just talking about take to heaven. I'm talking about you are seeing Jesus come into the life and save, uh, to begin working change, to take them out of their hedges, to take them out of their bondages, to take them out of their afflictions, for people to find freedom that can only be found in Jesus, for people to come out of abuse, for people to come out of, of heartache, for people to come out of brokenness and over into a life that's only found by Jesus. And for many of you, there will be a true celebration because you have seen what Jesus can do in the lives of the people that you love, a celebration of the Lord. Now, what has has struck me uh, is this statement. It's been with me all week. In the middle of my busy week, it's been with me all week. The Lord has need of it. And today, for for my pleasure, but for your benefit, I trust me, I understand uh, that when it comes to public speaking, nobody likes doing this. In fact, I used to tell my wife, it's my least favorite thing when preachers make me do this. Uh, But yet, I have found it so beneficial. (laughs) And so, I'll ask you to do this with me, and you know what it is? Repeat after me, everybody. No matter where you're at, if you're watching online or over at Island Colony, just repeat this after me. Say, the Lord has need of me. The Lord has need of me. What a statement. All throughout scripture, it talks about how the Lord needs nothing. I love it in the book of Psalms. He said, if I was hungry, I would not ask you. (laughs) I don't need you. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. In the book of Acts chapter 17, Paul is getting up on Mars Hill and he's talking to people who are worshiping all these false gods. And there was one that said to the unknown God and he stands up on this. Paul was like a boss. He stands like right up on this stone that says the unknown God. And he begins to preach and says, there is an unknown God and he's the king of kings, and he is not made by hands as though he needed anything. 
We serve a God who doesn't need our worship. We need to worship. We serve a God who doesn't need our giving. We need our giving. He doesn't need our church attendance. We need our church attendance. Uh, God is not needy. But there is something he does need. You know what it is? You. Now, the context, especially within like charismatic circles, uh, we're very good at preaching this side of the coin, which is, is great because it reveals the fatherhood nature of God. Uh, but out of this, uh, a lot of our faith, messages, worship, praise is based off of what the Lord can do for me and how I need the Lord. And, and this is fantastic. Like this is actually very healthy because like we said last week, real spiritual growth uh, is shown by my dependency upon the Lord, that when I am weak, he is strong. And so we come and we praise for a breakthrough. Uh, and we, we worship for a miracle and we pray and we ask God to like change things in our life. And that can be the context of our faith of we're, we're coming to God because we have need of him. And I, I need you to do this for me. But what I have seen, and one of the things that uh, I get alarmed with, honestly, um, is that what I have seen is that oftentimes our faith stays very shallow when I'm solely coming to the Lord about what I need. Uh, that it does not require a lot of depth of the soul or depth of character for the Lord uh, and my relationship with him to be centered around my own deliverance. But my faith begins to deepen when I share my faith and I go with it. Now, go is the very first value of word of life because it was the chief value that Jesus led with. Go into all the world. Be my hands and feet. Why? The Lord has need of you. Uh, for some of you, there are sheep within your life and people within your life um, that if the Lord doesn't use your hands and the Lord doesn't use your eyes and the Lord doesn't use your strength, um, those sheep are in a, a, a mess. The Lord has need of you. And, and I just sense that there are some, some people within uh, your lives, some people within your world, some friends, some family members, some sons, some daughters, someone else's son, someone else's daughter, that the Lord needs you, needs you. It would be a service to the Lord, needs you to slow down and take care of them. Now, here's what's interesting. Most kings, and you've seen this like with George Washington uh, and paintings of him, uh, paintings of Napoleon or, you know, Alexander the Great, you see like a triumphant entry where they are conquering people and lands and their own stallions. I mean, uh, they have a horse that's like on its hind legs and like they're in the air or they're, they're coming across a lake and there's like this picture of strength from the animal that they're riding on because the animal uh, is a symbol of strength for them. So it's like a, a white stallion or a Clydesdale or whatever it may be, but just some type of animal of power. Uh, because it actually makes the king look good to ride something like that. And our king comes riding a donkey. 
Uh, the king of kings comes riding a donkey. And there's multiple reasons for this. Uh, the chief one being that's all he has to ride in his kingdom. Uh, and secondly, uh, if we're being honest, uh, and secondly, he doesn't need the horse to make him look good. <laughs> Our king uh, can come in meekly on a donkey uh, because he doesn't need the strength of the horse to add anything to him. He just needs to be carried by it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I can't remember the last time someone invited me to church or talked to me if I knew Christ or asked me outside of the context of church if I needed prayer. Can you? The Lord has need of you. The Lord has need of us. A donkey is in and of itself not an impressive animal. There's, there's nothing when you look at a donkey that you would think like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to own that. Uh, there is, is nothing about it that in and of itself is overly impressive, but it does have one strength. And you know what it is? A donkey is a burden bearer. It knows how to bear some burdens. Uh, and it's not afraid of a load. In fact, it's very good at handling it. And so when they would, would want to move something, not with speed, because it's not going to win a race, but it wanted want to move something somewhere else to give a slow, steady ride, it would pick a donkey, because a donkey, it's really good at carrying a burden. Now, in your Christian context, the Lord has instructed you throughout the New Testament to, to bear ye one another's burdens, uh, to come in and to see the wounds and the afflictions of others and to be moved with compassion, uh, to lower yourself. And in Philippians, it talks about this a good bit. In Philippians chapter two, it talks about how Jesus made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant came to this world and esteemed others' needs as greater than his own. Uh, that when he came, he didn't come in the form of a king. He came in the form of a servant. He washed his own disciples' feet. And then right after that, it says, and did you see what the Lord did for him? The Lord raised him up and gave him a name above every other name. And then it says, let this mind that was in him be in you. Well, what type of mind? A mind where I am serving someone else, that the context of my Christianity will not just be how Christ can serve me, that the context of my Christianity will also be how I can serve Christ. And the best way I can serve Christ is not just by holding a sign or changing a diaper. One of the best ways that I can serve, and those are ways to serve Christ, don't get me wrong, and the greatest among us is the servant of all, but the chief way I serve Christ is by willing to interrupt my life and see a need. There was a, 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 a man who was a wise guy. Have you ever met someone who just thought that they were really smart uh, and didn't mind flaunting their intelligence and uh, those types of things? And Jesus encountered these people a lot because he was not afraid of the religious elite. And oftentimes they would intimidate people by their dress and by how much they knew. And they had memorized the entire old covenant and like all of these types of things. So like they were pretty impressive people. And he would often be challenged by them. 
And so this wise guy comes up to challenge Jesus and he starts asking him this question. He says, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, that's a good question. You've studied the law. What do you say? And he talks about loving God with all of our heart, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus said, you've said this correctly. Do this and you will inherit eternal life. And then the wise guy, being the wise guy and playing the narrative, asked this question. He said, well, then, who is my neighbor? (laughs) Who's my neighbor? Like, what does that even mean to, like, love your neighbor as you love yourself? And Jesus is a genius, and he knows that people forget facts but remember stories. Now, if you're a communicator, this is critically important. It's why I talk about my life all the time, because you'll forget the facts, but you'll remember the story. And in the story is the spiritual truth that you need. Uh, So that's why the Bible is filled with stories, uh, because our children might not remember all the concepts of faith, but they will, will remember how David spoke to Goliath and was uh, unafraid of him, and how Daniel, you know, was, was willing to, out of conviction, be thrown into a lion's den, because people remember stories. So the Bible is filled with stories, and when Jesus taught, he taught in stories. And so this guy asked him, well, then who then is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story, we know it as the Good Samaritan. He said, there was a man on a journey, and this is what, this is, you know, just time out here. Uh, everything that Jesus is saying here is very important because Jesus is only saying what the Father tells him to say. So every word is of, of the premium of level of importance. He said, there was a man on a journey. And if I stop here, I would just remind you that everybody in here, if you're living right, you're on a journey. If you're not on a journey, your heart is broken and you need to fix that. If you're not looking to see progress, if you're not looking to move forward, if, you're, if you don't have a vision, something is wrong with your heart. Because when a heart is healthy, there's movement. And somebody says, well, I've got a lot of life behind me. Well, that wasn't Caleb's excuse. Caleb, as an old guy, is like saying, give me a next mountain. Because all of us, no matter how old we are, are called to die in faith. That meaning to our last dying breath, we're believing God for something. Uh, So we're on a journey, and when you're living right and your heart is healthy, you're you're filled with vision, and you're filled with a dream, and there's an excitement level. If you're not excited about where you're going and what you're going towards, something is broken within the context of our heart. So he talks about this knowing that when we're living correctly, we're on a journey, uh, and we're going somewhere, and we're excited about life, and we're dreaming of possibility, and we're on this journey. But he said, while this man was on a journey, a thief came up to him and robbed him. But in this story, this thief didn't just take something off of his person. The thief also took something from his soul. Because it's one thing to be like, uh, you know, in an armed robbery where someone, you know, comes up with a weapon and says, like, give me your purse. And you hand them your purse and then they leave like that would be robbery. But this is not what happened in this story. Uh, this man not only had something taken off of him and something taken from his person, he had something taken from him internally. And not only was he robbed, he was beaten. And he was beaten so bad that he developed wounds. I've had that word wounds on my heart. I think next week that, that may be what we talk about. Wounded. Wound, bleeding. Life leaking out. And so how do you know you're wounded and life is leaking out when you're no longer going on the journey? You're stuck. 
You're not seeing progress. You're wounded. You're hurting. And, and this, in this moment, he doesn't just have something taking, taken from him. There's a change made within him. And this is actually the more dangerous thing because when something is taken from you, you can get it back. But when something happens in you, there's a deeper level of healing. And I just even sense, like right now, there's some people who have had some things happen to them, but it did more than just happen to you. Something changed within you. Wounded. Isn't that something? And so he's there in the story, robbed and wounded, and he's unable to make progress. So he, he's not advancing in life. He's not seeing progress on the journey. He's not getting to a destination. There is no vision. He's not trying to progress. He's just trying to survive. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to get somewhere. I just want to survive here. Jesus is a genius with his storytelling. You ever met anybody like that? Have you ever been like that? Are you there now? You're not trying to thrive. You're just trying to survive. Like what life has done to you and what has been taking off of your person and the attacks that have come around you, you're just trying to make it through this season. Uh, We're just trying to, to get back where we were. Jesus says in the context of this story, he's broken, he's wounded, and he's robbed. He said he's laying there half dead, alive but yet not, half dead. And he says that in in the, the, the moment, there's this guy who's a priest. Now, his audience here is priest. And you talk about stallions. I mean, these guys had strength just written all over them. Like on the outside, uh, prim, proper, like fashion. Like when they walked around, everybody knew that's someone who's religious, that's someone who's a priest. They got all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. Like these guys have their acts together. And they're also religious. And he said the priest enters in this story and he's on his way to a journey. And it says, Jesus says, that he sees the man, but he's not willing to be inconvenienced. Isn't this interesting? He's he's not willing um, to be inconvenienced. So he actually goes out of the way to not go out of the way. Have you ever run into the store and purposely didn't want to be seen? I, it's like, uh, let me run in to run out. Like, I don't want to see anybody in this state. It's not because you want to see anybody in their wounds. Maybe it's because you're wounded uh, or that type of thing. But have you ever been in that moment where it's like, no, that's too big of a mess. <laughs> like, you know, that would be too big of an inconvenience to actually like dive into that. Have you ever felt inconvenienced by someone, like to help them, you had to go out of your way to help them? Uh, to, to really minister to them, you'd have to go out of your way to minister. Like they would disrupt your daily schedule. Like if I slowed down uh, for them in this moment, it would so like set things back for me that I couldn't continue my journey. And so, so focused on where he wanted to go And what he wanted to do and what he needed to see in his life that he actually goes out of the way to not go out of the way. 
and continues on. Jesus says that after the priest, there comes another guy who would be like the praise and worship leader. Uh, and they come back and it's like, you know, you would expect them to be like somewhat considerate and like careful and like uh, a burden bearer and like something, somebody like that who would come in and like minister at least or like pray for. And, and he does, to be, be honest, does one better than to, you know, go out of the way to go out of the way. He actually walks up on the guy. And I, I, I love this because we see the spiritual progression. The Bible says he doesn't just see, he looks. Now, there's a big difference here. We talked about this last week when Jesus beheld someone. Jesus didn't just see them, he looked upon them. And there's a big difference. Everyone in this room will see one another, but oftentimes we're so quick to get in the room and so quick to get out of the room that we, we see, but we don't really look. And we greet, but it stays surfaced. We definitely don't see each other's wounds. In fact, we're pretty good at hiding those wounds because we actually think I don't want to come across as needy. Uh, and so out of that, like we hide the wounds where no one ever gets close enough to see. And sometimes they get so close to see, we actually go out of the way ourselves. Like we're not going to make progress in our journey, but we'll make enough progress to walk away where I don't have to show anybody my wounds. And so out of this, the, 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 the worship leader comes up and he sees the wounds of this man. And he can see what is causing him to lose his life. Jesus said, it's amazing how many people see but don't see, hear but don't hear, have a heart to understand but never understand. They always see the fruit, they never see the root. They see the anger, they don't take the time to see the wound that's making them angry. They see the depression, but they don't see the wound. They see the bad grades, but they don't see the wound. And he said in the story, the guy looks upon him and he sees his wounds. Well, we get the impression that something came over him and thought, if I stop to do anything about this, I won't be able to continue my journey. And so he walks. Jesus ends the story with another man. We know him as the Good Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans, uh, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. Uh, it's a long story, but basically the Samaritans were, were kind of half Jewish, half Gentile. Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. Uh, and out of this, they had kind of mixed and mingled culture and religion. So they're living around uh, Jewish people, but they're not obeying Jewish law or Jewish custom. They have their own thoughts on who the Messiah is. Everything is kind of counterculture. They bash the religious elite and the religious elite bash them. So people would walk around Samaria. <laughs> and Jesus was always trying to go through Samaria. The best example of this is John chapter four. But Jesus knows he's talking to Jewish elite and priests, and so he's going to like just really, really illustrate his point by showing them it was a good Samaritan. Now, why a Samaritan? Because Jesus rode a donkey. Um, the religious elite would be the stallions. The, the donkeys would just be the bear, bur, burden bearers. And it's funny that especially for those of us who have been in, in Christianity for a long time, if we're not careful, we've become like the Pharisees where we just see the bad behavior and label them bad. That's bad. You're bad. This is bad. Country's bad. Music's bad. This is bad. Movie star's bad. We start labeling bad and God is labeling them hurt. 
And the more I kind of progress away from religion and into a relationship with Jesus, the more I begin to make allowances for people, the less judgmental I become. I take the plank out of my own eye before I take the toothpick out of theirs. I, I'm leading with mercy and I'm leading with grace and I drop my judgment and I allow God to be the judge and me to be the servant. Um, and, and out of this, he, he's using the Samaritan to show every one of us in the story that this is who we are, that we should not be people who don't know what it's like to not be hurting. Like we, we should be people who can still remember the last time I needed prayer. I needed a little help. I needed a little assistance. I needed a mentor. I needed someone to be inconvenienced. I needed someone to go out of the way. I needed someone to break down some walls. I needed someone to ask me, are you okay really? And to not just offer a quick hug and walk away, but someone to call me again the next day and the next day and the next day that everybody's there for the funeral, but not everybody's there a month after the funeral. Like I need some people in my, like we remembered that we had people in our journey. We had people who bore our burdens. We had people who took care of us. We had people who were there for us. We had people who picked us up. I am not so far removed from the mercy and goodness of God or others that I forget to give mercy in my own life. And the good Samaritan comes up and he sees the wounds. And he pours in wine to disinfect the wound and oil to heal it. And he picks him up. And he puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to an inn and an innkeeper. And this is important. He knew that I can't stop my journey entirely. And God is not asking me or you or anyone in this room to not go after something. God is saying, I, I know you're on a destination and I know there are places that you're called to go and there are places that I wanna help you go. And I'm not asking you to so inconvenience your life that you forget about what you want and you lose all desire and lose all hope. There is a journey you need to go on that you are not the savior and the be all end all that there's not just a good Samaritan, there's also an inn, which is symbolic of a church, and an innkeeper, which is symbolic of Jesus and a church family, who also needs to be a part of this story. Like you can't be doctor, physician, mother, sister, you can't be all of these roles for everyone, but you can be good in the role that you're called to and see someone in need and help them get to the other places. And if they don't wanna stay at the inn, then that's their issue. And if they don't wanna be healed by an innkeeper, then that's their issue. I don't have to be everyone in the story, but what I do have to be is that I have to see that strategically there are people in my life that I see their wounds while other people are walking away. And in that season, I will be the Lord's mule, that the Lord can ride me into the entranceway into their heart because the Lord has need of me. What does he have need for me to do? To see the wounds and others. Now, I, I know um, when we talk about these things, and if I'm being just like keenly, keenly honest, uh, I know what it's like to be inconvenienced. And I know that oftentimes uh, burdens that you bear for others can become a big burden in your life. And sometimes, like, we just get to these places where with others we are tapped out uh, and we, we fall back over into the priest and the, the worship leader in the story 
who just does not want to be inconvenienced one more time. And I understand that. Because if I'm being honest, I have been there myself. But, but I would say if we are taking on the spirit of Jesus and, and the work of Christ is done in our hearts, have we not been in a position where in our own lives we needed Jesus to be there one more time? And I've lived long enough to be able to see many opportunities to bear you one another's burdens. But what has shocked me and blessed me is I have seen that the place where I bore the greatest burden turned into my place of greatest blessing. And what this donkey saw when he's carrying Jesus, because that's all you have to do is carry Jesus to people. Be a carrier of the Lord. What this donkey saw when he was carrying Jesus was all these other people entered into the story to lay clothes and branches down for the donkey where the donkey did not even have to get dirt on its feet. And what I feel like is the, the, if you will, allow me the liberty to say this, the prophetic word for, for you in this season is some of you have people in your life that you know if you go out of your way to be inconvenienced by them in this season, it's going to feel like a burden. But I just really sense as if the Lord is saying, I have need of you. They need to see my eyes, but they'll only see them through yours. They need to see my hands, but they'll only see them through yours. They need to see my love, but they'll see it through you. They, they need to see my giving nature, but they need to see it through you. And that if you will come into this place where you will bear ye one another's burdens, I will send people into your story where this will not be burdensome to you. You won't get your feet dirty one thing after the next thing after the next thing after the next thing will be laid down for you by others that you won't even get your feet dirty trying to carry this burden. And the story of Ruth just came up so big in my heart of you have Ruth coming in and watching Naomi, this beautiful, joyful woman go through so much that not only had she had a family stolen from her, but something within her changed. And she goes back into her own homeland and she says, don't even call me Naomi, which means my joy. She says, call, call me Mara. Life's been bitter to me. And you have Ruth enter into Naomi's story and she's just bearing those burdens. She left everything to serve her. How many of you know, it's one thing to feel like someone is taking something from you. It's a whole nother thing to give it. I said, it's one thing to feel like they're just taking so much time from me and to be like, I'll give them some time. They're just taking so many resources from me. It's like, I'll give them some resources. One, if you allow them to take it, that's your reward. But if you give it, oh, I'm telling you, if you can make that change where you give it. A number of years ago, I'll tell you this story. I gotta let you go. Uh, a number of years ago, me and my family took it upon ourselves to bear uh, another's burden. 
and it was hard. And one day I was walking around my neighborhood and I told the Lord, I'm like, I can't do this any longer. I'm like, I just cannot do this any longer. I'm like, this is too much. And I'm doing this because you asked me to do this. But this is too much. First thing he told me is, he said, Joel, what you complain about, you lose grace for. And he said, all you have done, all you have done, you and your wife, you go to bed and you complain, you complain, you complain, you complain. Can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? And just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. He's like, you have killed all the grace I have tried to give you in this season. Just like the children of Israel killed all the grace I was trying to give them for the wilderness. (laughs) What you complain about, you lose grace for. So he said, so stop that. But he said, secondly, is she taking it or are you giving it? Oh, come on, somebody. Are they taking it or are you giving it? Because he said, if it's just them taking it, you have your reward. You did something good. But if you're giving it, I'll be your reward. Oh, come on, somebody. If you're giving it, the Lord will be your reward. And I tell you what, that one walk changed everything. And I'm telling you, that place of burden has turned into me and my family's greatest place of blessing. And Ruth saw the same thing. Ruth comes in and she's given Naomi this time and this care and this concern. She's helping her all along the way. And you know what? Ruth had the privilege of seeing Mara turn back to Naomi. And for some of you, if you will come in and bear the Lord's burdens, because the Lord has need of you, if you will bear his burdens, you will have the privilege of seeing some of these people really be set free, of seeing Mara turn back into Naomi. That will not be wasted work. You will see change in the lives of the people you need to see change in. It will not be wasted work. Uh, That out of that, you'll have that joy of seeing them be free. But did you know in the story of Ruth, it was not only Naomi who changed. That place of great burden turned into a great blessing. There's a kinsman redeemer who's a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus by the name of Boaz. And he sees Ruth out there laboring in that field, bearing that burden for for Naomi. And out of that, he picks Ruth up, makes her a princess, turns her whole life around, blesses her more than she could ever be blessed. And the book of Ruth ends with this great blessing happening in everybody's life because the place of burden turned into a place of blessing. And sometimes I'm telling you, you're going to have to be burdened for the Lord, not burdened by the Lord. He takes, he takes burdens off of you, but burdened for the Lord in the sense of you make a decision to carry them. And the Lord tells you to go out and let your net down for a drought to catch some fish, which is a type and shadow of people, to go out there and, and go again, go fishing again. It's like, Lord, we have tried to fish and see change in these people all day and have caught nothing. And the Lord says, I know. But go out there and do it again. It's like we've already washed the nets. That'd be too burdensome. That'd be too burdensome to go out there again and cast the nets. It'd be too much. We've already washed the nets. But that place of great burden turned into a place of great blessing. And they went out one more time, let that net down, caught more fish than they had ever caught before. So much, they had to call in another boat to bring in the harvest and bring it back to the land. When Peter got back there, he looked at the Lord. He fell down on his knees and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And I'm telling you, there's a blessing attached to that burden. 
And there's some people in your life right now, they need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. And when you make a decision to do it, to be the Lord's donkey, he has need of you. I believe you're going to see Mara turn back to Naomi. But I also believe you're going to see a kinsman redeemer come and give you in a minute what you couldn't give yourself in a lifetime by the matchless favor of God. Amen and amen, 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 amen. Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. At this point, I'll turn over the Highland Colony campus to Pastor Ryan to close out services. On our online campus, I'll turn that over to our online pastors to close out service there. If you're here at Lakeland, you're stuck with me. I wouldn't have it any other way. If you're here today and you need Jesus, he loves you. And he's not far from any one of you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it to. I don't care how needy you are. He's not ashamed of you. He wants to love you back to life, but he can't do it if you won't come home. But if you'll come home, I promise you, he'll put a ring on your finger. He'll put sandals on your feet. He'll put a coat on you that'll hide your wounds and your shame. Kill a fatted calf, restore you. And if that's you today, you want to come home. You want to come to Jesus. He wants nothing more than you. Because the Lord has need of you. And if that's you today with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, would you do something for me? I say it's for me. Could you do something for the Lord today? If that's you, would you just lift your hand and surrender to him and say, Jesus, I'm coming home. Hands going up all across the room. Amen, amen. Maybe it is for the first time, or maybe it's just you've been a little distant, and it's time for you to come back and make a decision for Jesus. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Hands going up in the balcony, hands going up in the floor. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, everybody here, whether you raised your hand or not, repeat this prayer with me. Let's just pray it together as a church family. Just say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you do not count my sins, my mistakes, my faults, and my failures against me. Jesus, you have forgiven me. And I thank you, Father. I am forgiven. No longer will I wrestle with the shame of my mistakes in my past. That's over. It's not who I am. It may be what I did, but it is not who I am. I am a child of God. And I say, Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my comforter. And so from here on out, no more shame, no more guilt. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus, give me grace to be the person I need to be. And I boldly declare, my best days, 
My best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate today. Everybody who made a decision for Jesus.